Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 rolls on from Nashville. Glad you're with us across the Outkick network. Coming up in 20 minutes, Dan Dockich will join us. He's also part of the Outkick network. With Don't at me with Dan Dockich. Looking forward to chatting some college hoops and more with Dan in uh, just a, a few minutes. Uh, later, Brad Lampley, the chairman of the TransPerfect Music City Bowl, will be in studio with us. We'll talk Music City Bowl business, the, the art of planning the bowl for the teams that you want versus maybe the team you end up with. I'm not insinuating that this year. I, they wanted Tennessee and they wanted Purdue or Penn State. That's the sense that we always had for the last month or so. Um, and Purdue's going to travel. They expect to sell out. That's perfect for a bowl game. But just over the years, the planning and process of Selection Sunday for the bowls. We'll get into that. That's at 420 Central, 520 Eastern later this afternoon. Um, so Brian Kelly wasn't the number one choice at LSU, according to uh, Brett McMurphy. He tweets out, How bad did LSU want Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher? In late November, LSU was prepared to offer Fisher an eight-year, $125 million deal. That's $13 million per year to come to LSU. Uh, those numbers first reported by Billy Lucci, who would know with boots on the ground and a great texags.com facility and website there in College Station. Is he not good? I mean, we know the, the, the AD loved him, courted him, and got him once. Um, but that that – that those numbers are outrageous. They're about to have the number one ranked recruiting class in the country at Texas A and M. Uh, he also just lost to Ed Orgeron in his final game at LSU right, yeah. with LSU with really nothing to play for, and Texas A and M lost. They had a disappointing year. They they righted yep. the ship with that win over Alabama. They're really good for a while, and and they fell off again in losses to Ole Miss and LSU late in the season. So no, I, I don't think Jimbo Fisher's worth thirteen million. Do I think Lincoln Riley may have been worth? I'd rather have Lincoln Riley, who, by the way, Hutton, I believe was second, second on the choice, list. Yeah, I think Brian Kelly's probably third. I think they made a run at Jimbo Fisher. All reports look like they made a run at Lincoln Riley, who looked at USC and LSU and decided, no thanks, I'm not going to the SEC. I'm going to go to USC, and they ended up settling on Brian Kelly. So I, I no, I, I don't think Jimbo Fisher's worth that money. Um, I guess good for A and M for keeping him. They're certainly recruiting at a high clip, and they should be very good in the SEC for a while with Jimbo Fisher. But I also laugh when I see that Ed Orgeron just beat Jimbo Fisher in A&M in out. the final game of the year. Um, Max Johnson, speaking of uh, LSU, Max Johnson, their quarterback, is entering the transfer portal. And not just the loss of Max Johnson for LSU. His younger brother, Jake Johnson, is the number one tight end in America and was going to be an early enrollee in January at LSU. At exactly 7.13 p.m. last night, they both sent out different statements but saying the same thing. They are out on LSU. The funniest possible thing would be if they both went to Notre Dame. Oh, that would be What funny. if they both, just to Marcus fly Freeman. in the face of Brian Kelly, said, uh, you know, we're going to go to Notre Dame now. 
So LSU loses their quarterback and the number one tight end in America to Notre Dame, who's the younger brother of that quarterback. Of course, Max and Jake Johnson, the son of Brad Johnson, former NFL uh, quarterback, Super Bowl champion with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So big loss for LSU. LSU is a five-star committed, get, right? Someone's going to get a package deal with those two guys. That was the talk was they had a five-star committed that they wanted to keep. And Brian Kelly, like the, he was the five-star was number two on his list prior to committing to LSU was Notre Dame. Whether or not that's accurate, I, again, like I don't know is number two, but they were working on keeping their five-star quarterback. So there, there's a plan in place with all that. Yeah. But so Max Johnson's available. Yeah, Max Johnson and Jake Johnson, his little brother, number one tight end in the country. Walker Howard is the uh, LSU quarterback commitment, who is a five-star. So the the rich get richer, Chad. Yeah. Get the five-star freshman there. Yeah, we'll see. Jimbo Fisher, what, what uh, is he making something like that at Texas A&M? Yes, he's making $10 million a year there. Oh, they, I mean, remember, they got chastised for paying him that much money when that initially happened. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they ponied up and gave him the $100 million 10-year contract. He, he's making Gruden money at A&M uh, on average. Well, good for him turning down the extra three a year. It is going to be um, interesting to see where Max Johnson goes next. I'd have to go and look at who were the finalists for him when he chose LSU. They, they live in Athens, Georgia, which is kind of odd, but they live in, in Clark County in Athens, Georgia, the Johnson family. And uh, they were both headed to LSU. Of course, Max played there, and his younger brother was going. So where, where does he go next? There are plenty of quarterbacks that are in the portal right now. Um, I, I'm curious who Kiffin ends up with. You yep. know, he's going, he's going to end up with someone. Uh, Levy will end up with someone that will follow him to, you know, compete for the job, the backup job at Oklahoma with Williams there. Spencer Rattler. You know, what happens with him also at, at Oklahoma? A guy who's a preseason Heisman Trophy hopeful. He has ties with Arizona. He's from Arizona. Yep. Um, uh, Quinn Ewers. Yes. Yep. Who uh, it's reported that he is set to make, quote, NFL first-round draft pick money in NIL if he goes to Texas, which is in the millions. If he goes back to his home state and plays for Texas, that seems like an easy. I decision. would like. To, I will believe that when I see it. I think that's probably an overstatement in terms of money when you look at what an NFL first round pick at quarterback would make. Um, so I'm I'm not buying that one. But th- there's a lot of uh, it, it, not just quarterbacks too. Zach Evans is a former five star running back at TCU. He's down to Ole Miss and Tennessee to transfer as a five-star running back that one of those programs is going to get. He visited Ole Miss this past weekend. Josh Heupel visited him. He's going to visit Knoxville this weekend. Those, I think Tennessee and Ole Miss are interesting because they're kind of setting themselves up to be transfer you. They, they want to get big time in the, in the game of bringing in transfers, especially on offense with, with what they're doing offensively. First thing that comes up for Max Johnson is Florida State. As a potential landing spot. Um, it sounds as though Tony Elliott is going to have the opportunity to be the head coach at Virginia if he wants it. This is according to Larry Williams, who is with TigerIllustrated.com. Uh, he had his first in-person interview with Virginia today. So if, if Tony Elliott, who's the offensive coordinator at Clemson, if he leaves for Virginia... Venables, the longtime defensive coordinator at Clemson, 
has, is now the head coach at Oklahoma. Dabo Sweeney also has a new AD in place. This is a big offseason because they're also going to need a new quarterback on top of everything else. They're really good at recruiting. Uh, when you look at the, the defenses that Clemson has put together with Venables in place, Tony Elliott and what he's known for, there's been where Alabama changes coaches a lot. Sweeney keeps his together. His staff has been together quite a bit. So there's a changing of the guard with their coaching staff this offseason for Dabo. Well, the secret sauce there has been the continuity on that staff. There, there's no way around it. The, the fact that he's kept Tony Elliott. Tony Elliott was mentioned at so many different places, too, and got interviews for different jobs, and, and you know some pretty big programs courted him at one point or another. It'd, it'd be interesting to see if he left for Virginia, mm-hmm. of all places, with some of the places that, that wanted to hire him. But that's been a big key for him is that continuity with Venables and Elliott uh, throughout this run for, for Clemson. So now Dabo's got to show a little bit of that Nick Saban ability to comp- replace really your biggest coaches on staff, sometimes annually, if that starts to happen, where he's got to go and find the right hires to come in and plug and play and not just sustain but improve on this 9-3 and three season. If they're going to be a national player, They've got to get better at those spots, which is going to be difficult to accomplish. It's going to be attractive for whoever wants to take those jobs, but you got to get it right. One very strong report out there, though, says it's Anthony Poindexter at at UVA off of uh, off of the. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm blanking out on whose staff he's on there. Well, it, McMurphy's the one that tweets this out about Elliot is a leading candidate for the Virginia job. And Elliott was also mentioned at Duke. Poindexter's off, off uh, James Franklin's staff, co-defensive coordinator. Well, James Franklin's staff is getting some good play. Oh, I think, I think Poindexter has announced he's staying on staff. I may be wrong on that, but I think he tweeted out he's staying this morning. Um, and Ven- Venables, by the way, from 86 to 2014, um, Clemson had eight first-round picks from their defense from 86 to 2014. Since Venables came on staff, they've matched that number of first-round picks at Clemson. It's incredible. And now uh, the big question is, can they sustain with who they hire next? Speaking of um, the the James Franklin staff, Uh, Josh Gaddis, his former assistant, just won the Broyles Award at Michigan for assistant coach of the year in college football. Brent Pry gets a head coaching job at Virginia Tech. It's a well-thought-of staff that he's assembled over the years, both at Vanderbilt and now at Penn State. So James Franklin's a guy who can hire coaches well that can use that as a platform and a springboard to get head coaching jobs. And I think Poindexter's the latest example that he's going to get more of what he wants at Penn State if he's staying. Yeah, he said the timing timing's everything, and the timing just wasn't right for him to take the Virginia head coaching job. Instead, he'll stay on as an assistant with James Franklin. Um by the way, I, I mentioned this name to you guys yesterday, off-air, that's getting mentioned for Duke. Jason Garrett <laughs> is getting play at Duke as someone they're going to talk to about the head coaching job at Duke. I bet once they see backlash to that report, he sinks as a potential candidate. That'd be a terrible hire. You know what You know what he does? He just points to what the Giants have done without him. The Giants have one passing touchdown offensively since they fired they him. They weren't doing a hell of a lot with him either. They have one passing touchdown well, <laughs> since they fired him after that game in Tampa. He's got, where he wasn't even calling plays uh, in that game. I, I mean, if he has any college experience, it's a long, long time ago. 
back when his dad was a, a, a college presence, and that was kind of Ivy League. Uh, he, he's no college coach. Um, Paul, Luka Doncic, uh, he needs to uh, get on the treadmill. It looks so he like. was he got, getting blasted last night. He got night. the big contract this offseason. They, they gave him the max deal. He stayed. The, Mavs, the Mark Cuban money. Mavs lost to the Nets by three last night. I wasn't watching this, but apparently he's getting blasted during the telecast for being plodding and overweight and everything, and, and he admits it after the game. <laughs> but he scored 28, had six rebounds, nine assists, but says he let himself go after the Olympics and put on 30. <laughs> put on 30 pounds. So my fascination with this story is... I mean, is, you're doing nothing if yes, you're putting on 30 pounds that quickly. My fascination with this story is that a high-profile Olympic-level athlete, an NBA star this is in, in July, 2021 right? is still capable of putting on 30 in an offseason. I would think 10, maybe 15. Like he's, he's trading for the Olympics late July. He, like he's with the team late July um, and then midway through August, right? Tip-off well, so is in October. This I, I find this hilarious. Uh, any talk of players' weight for whatever reason, like it's such a sensitive subject, but yeah. when someone finally breaks through the ice and mentions it. The person who did that was Reggie Miller. Yeah. During a TNT broadcast who said, and I quote, this is Reggie Miller during a game. <laughs> to me, looking at him, this is the heaviest I've ever seen Luca look right now. <laughs> I know he's had a long year with the Olympics, but look look how he's plodding up and down the court. I mean, he's not even really running right now. Good for him. So that he- was him talking about Luka Doncic. And oh, by the way, I got this under a story headline from Golf Digest, of all places, <laughs> that says NBA Weight Watchers say Zion Williamson is currently tipping the scales at a robust 330 pounds. And there is a is photo of him walking off the court in street clothes on the side of the court. Do you look like Chuck? He's rehabbing something. I mean, he looks, he looks like uh, Oliver Miller, the big O back in the day, times two. He is enormous. I mean, it says a lot on a couple fronts. That that the NBA, this could happen. That you could be something close to 30 over and be scoring 28. I mean, he's not far off a triple-double here. 28, 6, and 9. But but also that he's gonna in turn this, to a set shooter. But yeah. <laughs> he just snowbirds the whole game. <laughs> but, you gotta play four on five defensively because you know Luca's not gonna not, make he's it. He's not making it. Guys, you got this. I'm gonna be back down here. Just throw it to me and ready but for this three this to go. But in this day and age, making the money he's making, and I know NBA players control the league and all of that. That your professional pride lets you get thirty over during during the off season. This is a this is a time where guys, most guys bust it during the offseason to improve on their weakness and all of that. So, and again, what would you no say? A guy who lets himself go, lets himself go to what point? I'm sorry. Not 30 No pounds. coincidence that he's timing this up with the Olympics, right? It also times up when he got $209 million guaranteed. He signed that August 9th. So, I mean, I mean let them eat cake. How See, can you not look at that? That's the problem is I don't know his personality and how the Mavs organization handles him or coddles him, but he needs a kick in the ass. Well, he seemed to take I mean, this honestly, criticism that's what reasonably he needs, well. Right? How I'm, do you do that to a guy who had exactly, the highest extension if in I'm, history? Th- th- that's the problem is I think these NBA guys at times are so coddled, no one even knows how to do that anymore. 
Who in that organization right. is going to tell him to get his ass on a Cuban. treadmill Cuban. and lose weight and lay off the fried food? <laughs> Mark so, Cuban. I find, I find you all You think Mark this. Cuban's going to do that, yes. of all people? This is inspiring for Reed. Yeah, I, mean, I find this all reassuring because if a world-class athlete can still, put on 30, allow himself to put on 30 pounds, I feel very good about the 13 I put on over Thanksgiving. <laughs> now, I, I will say, to his credit, I mean... He, Reed this, is in the best shape of his life yeah, I mean, right now. This guy's NBA ready. Look at him. He He's was, felt. He was asked about this. And he said, quote, unquote, he's his conditioning, quote, has got to be better. So at least he's acknowledging it. He's not like saying, shut up or don't talk to me about my way. It's, it, it's crazy, too. It's such an individualized sport that everyone is on their own workout regimen. You don't look at a team and say that team's in good shape or that team's in bad shape. It's player to player yeah. based on what effort they want to put in. For example, when the Titans start pulling hammies left and right, Fans question the strength Train. coach of the Titans and the training staff of the Titans. They don't look at the guy's personal training regiment during the offseason. But the NBA, they're so not a, an individual unit that it's just immediately, well, this guy got fat. This guy goes and trains in L.A. This guy's in Vegas. This guy's got this personal trainer. This guy hired this dietitian, so he got better shape. I want the shape. Mavs dietitian fired. It's crazy. You don't think the Mavs about, dietitian fight. But I can't think about other team sports where you don't think of it in terms of a team keeping you in shape. But I want it's his just phone whatever two. you're doing individually. <laughs> but what's he doing last night if he's down 15 pounds as compared to 28, 6, and 9? Maybe the weight's helping him. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's What's he doing in the defensive Well, end? they only needed three more points. <laughs> or to, or for the Nets to have three fewer. I'm reading this Reggie Miller quote as he's not on the defensive end. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Do you see him plodding up and down the court? I Do mean, you feel how the wood shakes on the ground every time he runs? This is another reason not to like the NBA, though. There's no consequence for this, apparently. I, I mean, maybe I his minutes not. are down, but that's a reward, maybe. Hey, I got fat, <laughs> he's got, he's and I paid. have to play less, and I what got What do you tell a player who's making million. 209? Yeah. 209 and weighing 309. <laughs> I mean, you got to have – somebody's got to have some sort of heart-to-heart that's just the – Cuban. The, the sort of the the Jerry Maguire, just help me help you. Why would you I'm think it wouldn't be Cuban? I'm paying you 209 million. It should be Cuban. Yes. But my point is, you think Mark Cuban, who hangs out and parties with these guys, is going to be the one to go have the real serious talk? Four months ago today, they gave him a $209 million contract extension. And he began to eat. Four months ago today, and he started eating. And you know what he said right he after he stopped. got that deal? You know what he said? Waiter! Coming up, Dan Dockett joins the show, He'll friend of the show, uh, the legend, Dan Dockett of Don't At Number Me one. across the Outkick Network. Maybe he's coached a player that's put on 30 pounds. Over what the would course he say to Luka Doncic if he's coaching well, him? That's, that's what I want to ask. Him. Next on Outkick 360. The last time Dan Dockich was on the show, the Indy Star had a field day. We provided content for them for weeks. <laughs> Outkick 360 <laughs> continues across the Outkick Will Network. Will a story be written about his appearance today? We need to question. tweet the Indy Star and let them know that Dan Dockich joins us now on Outkick 360. He's the host of Don't At Me with Dan Dockich on the Outkick Network. It's daily, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 to 10 Central. And the beautiful and the legendary Dan Dockett joins us now. Dan, good to see you, man. That's a great introduction. First, I got to thank you guys for all your support of our show, man. You guys come on. You retweet stuff. You give great content. 
Can't thank you enough. So far, so good. Haven't been kicked off yet, and there has been no... You know, the star made a big deal. They were hoping that my show was not going to happen. And there's a reporter named Dana Bembaugh who can't wait for me to fail. So once they finally learned it was going to happen... There hasn't been another article on how well it's done. I'm shocked by it's, that. It's, it's Stunned by that, really. Crazy that we haven't seen a follow-up from Dana on that story about how well your show's doing. That's your they were, they were mocking us. That they were mocking us, Dan, as if we, you, we had you on and then something happened behind the scenes that didn't allow you to right. come on the air. I know. They can't. They're, you know, it's really dumb of me to engage them, but I do every day, you know. The deal is never fight with someone that buys ink by the barrel, but sure. hey, look. Right is right and wrong is wrong, and they've been wrong to me enough that I don't give a rat's, you know what. So yeah. there you go. I heard we're on terrestrial radio, so I won't swear. Yeah, oh, you're fine. You're fine. Tell, us, tell us about your new dress code. I was I was watching the show earlier this week, and you you talked about sitting on your, your jacket now, and you've got this whole new yeah. policy Who are for you wearing? Show. Yeah. Who, who, <laughs> I'm wearing big, fat lapels from the <laughs> 80s, I think, is what I'm wearing. No, you know what? I looked at the show. I looked at me doing the show, and I'm like, wait a second. I don't want to be big, fat, slob, crumb, crumbs all over me, media guy. Class the thing up a little bit. You're on outkick now. Class <laughs> that bad boy up. So I get a cheap polo, and I put a jacket over, and I think I'm George freaking Clooney. You know what I'm saying? But no, I'm, hey, Paul, you of all people, as, uh, as well-coiffed as you are, you understand good fashion. You understand a high-end fashion, and this is simply, uh, I think this is Coles off the rack, as some guy talked to me about it today. So, no, I appreciate you noticing, though. I've worked hard on it. So, speaking of big, fat slobs, uh, we were just talking about Luka Doncic <laughs> gaining 33 Ooh. pounds, Dan. Um, y- you were a coach. If you're coaching Luka Doncic, I mean, doesn't someone just have to have a tough conversation with a kid and say, hey, let's get this thing together. You're getting paid a lot of money right now. And you're not really getting up and down the floor that well. Can I give you a Bobby Knight story about oh, this? Absolutely. absolutely. Yes, please. So when I was a senior, we had a kid, Marty Simmons, who was a sophomore. And Marty, when he was skinny, he's about six foot five, big bone, thick dude. And we used to have to weigh in every day. And you'd weigh in, you'd write your way in. Nobody really did it. You just put weight in. Well, Marty had a tendency to get overweight. Well, he was putting in a weight. Knight came in, grabbed the sheet, and said, Marty, I think you're lying to me. Get on the scale. Marty was 25 pounds heavier than what he had written down as his weigh-in weight. So Coach Knight took a big 25-pound weight, put a rope, tied it through, and made Marty practice with this 25-pound weight. So he's got this weight, and I'm telling you, fellas, the rope was long enough that every time he's trying to run down the court, every time it swung out, it was perfectly placed to hit him in the package. It was the funniest. Like To this day, when I see Marty, we laugh about it. But I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. Is he walking yet? Uh, yeah, and he's got kids. So it's fine. You know, it's all good. But to watch a guy walk with his left hand protecting and his right hand trying to dribble was unbelievable. <laughs> it was incredible. Let's get one for Luca. Yeah. Well, look, here's the deal. Luca, Luca got fat in the head. Now I'm telling you, I'm Serbian. Luca's Serbian. And we can get fat in the head. 
Like you all of a sudden think you're something, and he is, right? All the performances, and then all of a sudden you're drinking Schlevo, you're eating lamb, and next thing you know, boom, you've gained a ton of weight and you lose your discipline. I always said this. I always admired the greats. You know, whether it is, I don't know, Jerry Rice in football or Magic or Isaiah or Jordan or Burke. Man, the great, great ones, they want more of it. They don't rest on it. And when I saw that today about Luka Doncic, I'm thinking, man, you ain't ready to be one of the great, great ones yet because you're content with what you've done. And let's think about it. What he's done is score a lot of points in the playoffs, hasn't won like great, great players. That's the first thing I thought of, man, to be a great – you never saw Isaiah. You never saw Magic. You never saw Kareem. You never saw any of these guys out of shape. They wanted more. They added to their games. And that's very disappointing to my Serbian brother, Luka Doncic. So I saw you tweet last night, Dan. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but we watched the Tennessee-Texas Tech game also, Ooh. which was not a great display of offensive basketball. Uh, what do you do if you're Rick Barnes in that game? Your team goes six for 40 from three, but every time they drove it, they weren't having any success either. It's getting blocked away. But when you have two teams that play defense like that and the refs let you play, so the only open looks are going to come from three because you're going to get hammered when you go down low and they're not going to call it. What do you do as a coach at that point? What should Rick Barnes do? Well, look, I'm not about – Rick's a much better coach than I ever was. But one of the things that we used to say with Coach Knight when we were rolling at Indiana, when, when games were like that, because, look, Wisconsin, tough as hell. Purdue was tough as hell. You know, Minnesota, when they went to the Final Four, tough as hell. All these teams, the Big Ten, you know, had, had defenses like that. We talked about two things, one of which you can't do in modern basketball. Players crossing the floor. Like you're standing in spots. When you stand in spots, the defense gets in those gaps. And by being in the gaps, they're already there to take the drive away. And they don't, they're already set to recover to their man. If you move people, then the person guarding me, if I'm moving across the course sprinting, he's got to stay closer to me. That opens up more court space. But modern basketball doesn't do that. They dribble, they stand, they try to penetrate a gap. That's what I would have done. But again, Rick Barnes is a much better coach to me. The other thing is when you're about, I don't know, three for 30 or two for 22, fellas, I don't give a rats, you know what, We're got to, we've got to get fouled on this possession. I don't care what you got to do. So how do you do that? You move the ball quickly, you drive quickly, kick it up, and you use your fakes. You fake before you dribble, and you fake at the end of your dribble. I thought, and to your point, I thought that Tennessee just continued to do the same thing over, try to drive a grab. Defense was there. Kick it to the next guy. Defense was there. They never moved people. But I'm telling you, very few teams, and Purdue is one of the few teams, actually moves people. They don't move people. They may move the ball, but people stand. And when people stand against a locked-in defense, man, it's going to be three-point jumpers all night. If you hit 20, you're going to win by 20. If you hit six, you're going to lose. It's that simple. What's the worst shooting night you've witnessed as a coach or player? That was close. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. 
Uh, there was a kid that played against us when I was playing at Indiana at Ball State. He had an epic night. I always go to this. He was 0 for 10 from the free, uh, excuse me, from the field, 0 for 4 from the free throw line, and had 10 turnovers. That's the worst performance that I've ever <laughs> seen in my life right there. You can't get worse than that. And they lost by a million. Well, and Dan, you're a, you're a big college basketball guy, but you were all for college basketball not starting until January. Is that is that right? Yeah, I, I'm questioning it. You know, one of the things about college basketball is it's really the only sport that doesn't have two seasons. Football has the fall, and then they have spring football. Volleyball has a fall season, but they have spring volleyball. Softball and baseball are spring seasons, but they have a fall season. John Calipari and I have talked about this. We got to do something in basketball to juice this up. And August is the perfect time. Like what would happen if let's say in the state of Indiana, Kentucky, Louisville, Purdue, uh, Indiana, North Carolina, and Duke came and played a tournament right here, downtown Indy in August. ESPN is looking for programming. You know, what would happen in Tennessee? I don't know if Kentucky and Vanderbilt and Tennessee, they played a tournament, you know, maybe you don't play against conference teams and you did it in August to generate some interest, and then maybe you started the season, you know, I don't know, maybe even in the middle of bowl season. I get I get that Feast Week is great. I get all that as a basketball fan. I personally love it. But as a guy that's watching college basketball ratings and college basketball dwindle in the public's eye, I think something's got to be done. And I thought Calipari, genius, do something in August, move the season back a little bit, let, let's clear out some of the football – I mean, let's be honest. This is the first year I haven't really done anything with college basketball since uh, 08 and 09. And frankly, even though I am a quote college basketball guy, I'm all in on the Colts and I'm all in on college football every day. You know, I'm all in on Purdue basketball and Indiana basketball. But truthfully, football is so damn big, as you guys know better than me. I think you clear a little space for you in August and move it back a little bit. You might have something special during the regular season. But I don't know. I'm not saying that's the only answer, but it's it's a thought anyway. When you look at the best teams in the country right now, I know you're very high on Purdue. Um, is there a close second that you've seen to Purdue? We know from a talent standpoint, Gonzaga, Duke, all the common characters are up there. But is there a gap right now between Purdue and everyone else from what you've seen? There's a gap between Purdue and who Purdue's playing. Now, they struggled at the end against Iowa, uh, against the press. And I talked to Matt Painter today, and he's like, yeah, that was my fault. We didn't really go over it. Yeah, look, I think this, I, I don't think it's that cut and dried. I think Purdue has a veteran team. They have two of everything. They have an unselfish group. They have a great, great tradition of playing hard. They have a great uh, fan base that that counts turnovers and steals and charges. I mean, there's a, there's a culture there. But I've been impressed with Duke. Look, Mike Krzyzewski, what he does, getting all these guys to come in and play, and the way they played against Gonzaga, I don't think it's that big of, of a difference. I think if Duke uh, played Purdue at Duke, it'd be a hell of a game. I think the same thing with Gonzaga. I actually think the same thing with Baylor. Look, Baylor's got this kid named Aquino. He's on his third team. He's been a pain in the ass everywhere he goes. But he's an uber-talented guy. And frankly, Scott Drew doesn't really mess around. He just gets guys to play. I think Purdue is the best team in the country to this point. They have two of everything. They walk into a game with a swagger that says, look, we're going to kick your ass. That's how they walk in because they're older team. But I don't think, 
you know, this isn't, I don't know, uh, Duke and or, or Kentucky a few years ago when they went undefeated. I don't know that it's that. It's damn good. But these other teams are going to sniff around it. Since you're on Purdue, let's flip quickly to college football. They're coming here uh, for the Music City Bowl against Tennessee. We all buy into the idea of how much – how much are you interested in the bowl game? We're presuming that Purdue will be interested in this bowl game as UT will be. What's your expectation for that one? Yeah, I really hope you guys get to see David Bell, man. David Bell uh, is a great person, a great athlete, and I think the best wide receiver in the country. I know he's up for the Blitnikoff Award. I'm not sure he's playing. I'm not sure he's not. But, man, I hope you get to see him. You also – You'll see this kid, Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback, really over the last four or five games of the year was the best quarterback in the Big Ten, threw for 500 yards a couple different times against once against Michigan State. I think Purdue will play. I think Purdue will play really, really hard. I don't know if they have enough talent, and it really hurts them if Bell isn't playing. You guys will love Bell. Got to get him on the show. He's a kid that in, in high school, you know, the state of Indiana in basketball, is the thing in high school basketball, the legendary high school player, Romeo Langford went up against bell and bell beat his ass and his team in front of about 10,000 people in Seymour, Indiana advanced to the state finals over Langford and his number one rated in the country team. So bell is a special, special dude, man. And, uh, Calafis, the, the, uh, end is a lot like the Kerrigan kid who's been in the NFL for a long time with the Washington football team. You'll like Purdue. Now, look, last time they played in a bowl against the SEC team, Auburn is still scoring points on him. It was an embarrassing performance as you're ever going to see, but O'Connell's been really good. Brom has bought him back pretty innovative guy, but David Bell's special. He's the most special player. I think I've seen all year in the big 10. Dan Dockich with us, host of Don't At Me with Dan Dockich across the Outkick Network. Uh, also does a daily show there in Indianapolis. Do Colts fans really believe they're making the postseason? Yeah. Uh, Colts are playing well. Colts got to overcome the coach. The whole world loves the coach because the coach is on uh, tonight. He'll be on hard knocks, and everybody loves the coach. He's the worst play caller in the NFL. 26 straight non-runs by Jonathan Taylor until the, the offensive guard said, hey, coach, how about we run the ball? They did. They scored. I'm telling you, they in big games, in big games, they got to overcome the coach because the coach makes dumb decisions not to go for points or two goal for points. Makes They never work out in big games. But, yeah, and I'm one of those, and I said this on the last couple of days. Right, this is going to be among the stupidest things that I've said on the surface. I think the Colts are Super Bowl contenders if they make the playoffs, if that makes any sense. Like, they put themselves in a horrible position. But they're 7-3. and three. The three losses, they had double-digit leads in each. And in all three losses, the coach didn't figure it out. I am one of those guys that rarely, if ever, puts all that on the coach. But I've seen too much of it. I've, I've had enough. Two things in Indy I've had enough. Miles Turner is a basketball player on the Pacers. And Frank Reich screwing up a big game. Hopefully he won't do it again. And if they get in the playoffs, I think they're going to get to the AFC championship game. And the other thing is, look, you guys without Derrick Henry, I don't care. You're not the same team. No. And I don't see anybody really in the AFC, I guess, other than the Patriots that steps up. And we'll see next, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, Colts play the Patriots right here in Lucas Oil. We'll see.
I don't know how, when you look at the AFC right now, that any of the seven teams that get in can't go on a run. I mean, that, that you're right. If they get in, even in yeah. the seventh seed, anybody, it could be anybody's game. Dan, how much are you enjoying? Don't at me each morning. If hey, you I are, I don't, I'm you. assuming you are. I, that when I ask that question, oh. I'm assuming you are. You know, people make fun of me. Wow, you're in oblivion. You're not on ESPN anymore. I told you guys before, that was a mutual decision. I did not realize, fellas, I was going to have this much fun in the morning. And I didn't realize, like, the people that I'm working with, whether it's Stephanie or Lauren or Jesse or Don, these folks are freaking great. Yes. And I, I, it's, it's, I tell you what, you know, as an old man that starts to show at noon, what was I doing between 9 and 11 anyway? And I am having, an, I'm having more fun doing this than anything that I've had uh, before, since, or during. It's the best time ever. I love it. Awesome. And follow him on Twitter. He's back on Twitter, He's ladies back. and gentlemen. Yeah. Dan fighting everyone. He everyone fights. is taking shrapnel from He Dan is open right for a fight on Twitter right now. Yeah. Uh, hey, when, hey, when Clay Travis sends you a text and says, hey, Dan, how about activating your Twitter? I know where the bread's <laughs> buttered, baby. That thing got activated. At Dan Dockich is where oh, you can find him. Oh, it's activated all right. Uh, Very and, active. Uh, don't at me. Each each morning, 9 to 11 Eastern, 8 to 10 Central, across the Outkick Network. We retweet a lot of it, too, but you can check it out. Just uh, follow Outkick on Twitter for the live link. Dan, you're awesome. We appreciate the time, man. We'll hey, chat soon. I know you guys got to run, but again, all three of you, I can't thank you all enough for your support. It's been awesome to me. Thank you so we much. We love having you on board, Dan. Mutual. Yeah, yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks. The great Dan Dockich has been our guest, uh, number one and number two, right here. Yep. In in the flesh. Here we are. Boy, uh, midday radio uh, around the country is really excited. <laughs> yeah. As rankings come out it's in January, they're going to have yeah. a field day. Who, who will be number one now? Well, Dan's still there. That's true. Next year. He'll maybe. be number one. Well, he needs a suspension to stay there, probably. But, you know, give him yeah. time. He's still got time. He's, he's got a few weeks. As long as the Indy Star is listening in, they're going to find something <laughs> to get him suspended about. They'll report on that. You're, you're right about that. Uh, coming up, we get into uh, some, some other headlines of the day. Brad Lampley is going to be in studio with us uh, coming up in about 30 minutes. Looking forward to that. Let's look at the uh, NFL Week 14 matchups. There's some good, good ones on the slate, especially in the AFC, uh, that will uh, start to preview. It's a good matchup tomorrow night as well between the Vikings and the Steelers. Outkick 360 rolls on, but first, competitive cyclist. From derailers to bar tape, nutrition to racks, trainers to tires, helmets to bibs, the cycling kind of beyond. Do you spend hours online researching your dream bike? Some people love this stuff almost as much as the experts as competitive at competitivecyclist.com. That's competitivecyclist.com. And Competitive Cyclist is the online specialty retailer of road and mountain bikes, components, apparel, and accessories. They feature all of cycling's standout brands, but the real difference at Competitive Cyclist are the gearheads. Equal parts customer service and cycling fanatic. Gearheads are former pro athletes, Olympians, and seasoned cyclists with years of experience, all available by phone, email, or chat uh, for product recommendations and hard-won advice. Plus, Competitive Cyclist has 100% guaranteed returns. Go to CompetitiveCyclist.com slash OutKick360, enter promo code OutKick360, get more to get 15% off your first full-priced purchase, plus free shipping on orders of $50 or more. Some exclusions apply. Go right now and get 15% off plus free shipping at competitivecyclist.com 
slash OutKick360 and enter promo code OutKick360. CompetitiveCyclist.com slash OutKick360, promo code OutKick360. There is suddenly an enormous game in the NFC East this week. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody in Nashville. Washington hosts Dallas. Washington has won four straight. They are playing outstanding defense. When you watch that, and Heineke is leading game-winning drives, and they're opening up the offense to him now on those game-winning drives. He's throwing it all over the field. Meanwhile, Dallas has not been Dallas in recent weeks. They are eight and four right now. I believe that's yep, right. Eight and four and six and six. Six and six. So Washington, by winning and continuing their great play, can be within a game of the division lead after Sunday at noon. Also, their division records right now Dallas is two and oh. They've not played a lot. Washington is one and oh. So Washington wins that. They close to within one game. They get the tiebreaker. I'm presuming this is their first meeting. And they'd be 2-0 and in the division, and Dallas would drop to 2-1 and in the division. That thing would be tightened up. We talked about two divisions being pretty much over a good while ago. Yes. AFC South, which still the Titans have in great shape, and NFC East, which Dallas could really let slip into a competition this weekend. Uh, Rams against the Cardinals uh, playing this weekend, playing on Monday night football. Similar. Uh, yeah, same, same deal where the Rams get back on track by blowing out Jacksonville. They now travel to Arizona. Arizona 7-0 and on the road. Uh, you know, they dropped that one game to, to Green Bay at home. But the Rams have actually had success playing in Glendale, believe it or not. McVay has had a lot of success taking his team there. So uh, I'm curious to see how they rebound. Um, and, and try to get back on track. And they, they can quickly make up some ground here by beating Arizona. That'd be back-to-back a, weeks on Monday Night Football with huge divisional matchups. Yes. That would be an important head-to-head result, obviously. Division-wise, Cardinals 4-0. and Rams only 1-2 and going into this game. Big game so there'd them. be a big margin there either way. Chiefs and Raiders. Kansas City playing some of the best football, period. Other than Arizona, KC's been on a tear. Didn't play great football against Denver, but found a way to win despite not having Mahomes throw the football well at all. And now they take on a Raiders team that is very up and down, but you don't know which team you're getting in all of this. Uh, they could throw it all over the yard. You know, at times they can really get after the quarterback. Can they slow down Mahomes in that offense uh, and Vegas with a chance uh, to keep pace uh, within the AFC that is very up and down? Who Vegas do the right now. Have? The Chargers... Because they're only a game off. ...will the face Chiefs. the Giants. Yeah, the 4-8 Giants. That Kansas City needs that against the Raiders, but they also need it because the Chargers are only a game off, and they've got the same division record. Starting at quarterback for the Giants this weekend, Jake Fromm. Yeah, that's Former pretty, Georgia Bulldog. Pretty bad. third quarterback. You would think the Chargers uh, would be let down proof against Jake Fromm. And Bills and Bucks. That's another solid game this week because, again... Bills better uh, crank it up. The the Bills can throw it on Tampa. They can they can let it rip on Tampa. Uh, that is a Sunday uh, afternoon. That's your three twenty five national television game. Tom Brady and the Bucks hosting the Buffalo Bills, who are desperate at this point for Bills a win. are only five and five in the conference, which means they've got two wins against the NFC and they're looking for their third. And McDermott, 
and I'll, I'll point this out tomorrow uh, when I give one big thing on each game, and I'll, I'll tie this in. McDermott has had success against Tom Brady throughout his career as a coach. Here's another chance with that Bills defense. Feels like it's got to be a shootout slate. either way for uh, for the Bills to, to come out on top in, in that one. And for that to happen, Sean McDermott needs to have more faith in his offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, who seems like there was a lot of frustration and, coming off that last game. Yeah, you're right. And we could see a coaching change over the weekend. That's because Zimmer coaches the Vikings tomorrow night. If they lose, he had a uh, playoff mandate from ownership there. If they lose and they fall to what would be five and eight after Thursday night football against the Steelers, you could see a coaching change during the middle of the season uh, as they go to the backstretch of December. Just saying to watch out for it. As the Vikings are playing desperate as well, they will not have Adam Thielen. His girlfriend will comfort him if that is the case. <laughs> Good for Mike Zimmer. Or she'll leave him. Good for Mike That's Zimmer. No longer a head coach. It's true. It's Headlines next, including the balls and Titans on OutKick 360.